Happy Mother's Day. Here we are. And uh, you ready for the word this morning? Cool. I presume that means yes. You know, you may be familiar with many of the names of God. Some of you might have even studied the names of God. Uh, you know, we know him as Elohim, Yahweh, words like this. But what about El Roy? Who's heard of El Roy? Okay, a few hands, that's good. So El Roy. Some say El Roy, but I'm going to say El Roy because that's way easier. Uh, that name doesn't appear to show up in many worship songs. You know, how great is El Roy? It doesn't have a really good ring to it, does it, in that sense? Yet in today's day and age, when we feel our most vulnerable, the most invisible, you know, we can find hope and power in the name of God, El Roy. So what does El Roy mean? I'm glad somebody asked that, because not everyone put their hand up. <coughs> yeah, that's all right. Relax. I love you too. <laughs> what does El Roy mean? I'm just creating suspense. It's like, oh, wait, when's it going? You may have noticed that many names for God include El in front of it. You know, you might have heard of El Shaddai. Um, so El typically refers to God. And Roy brings another attribute of our Lord to the equation. So El Roy means the God who sees me. And that is just so powerful for so many reasons. I think the number one reason is it really personalizes our God. Because it's not our God sees us, it's our God sees me. Roy in the original Hebrew can be translated as shepherd or as seeing, looking, or gazing. In other words, when we feel our most invisible, and we all have moments like that where we feel like nobody is seeing what I'm going through. You know, when we feel forgotten by everyone else, we can remember that God sees us. He sees you. He witnesses your struggles. And he comes alongside you. The book of Matthew chapter 6 and 26 puts it this way. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? You know, we can gloss over a scripture like that, but seriously, if he's looking after birds, he's looking after you. If he sees the sparrows and if he takes care of them, how much more does our God care for us in our greatest time of need? So who called God El Roy in the Bible and why? I'm glad you asked. Uh, unlike many other names for God, we, we only find the instance of this name once throughout Scripture. It comes from an interesting source in Genesis chapter 16. So for those not familiar with that story, uh, Abraham and Hagar. Uh, Abraham is the father and patriarch of the Jewish nation. And he found himself nearing the age of 100. So you know, he's getting on in years a little bit. And uh, at that time, he was rather childless. And years before, God had promised him that he would have many offspring that would form a great nation. It says in Genesis Chapter 12, verses 2 to 3. This is the promise. God promising Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. 
and make your name great and you shall be a blessing I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed but I guess he was feeling at the time that, that would be a little tricky to do without children so Abraham gets impatient none of us are like that are we you know promise from the Lord spoken directly to by him but you know, it can happen a little quickly maybe a little faster than it's happening so Abraham's getting impatient so you can all feel a little bit better those of you that have ever felt impatience before uh, and so he decides to take matters into his own hands and, and the suggestion from Sarah his wife at the time was that he sleeps with his Egyptian servant Hagar and get her pregnant because it ain't working with us two. So let's just take matters into our own hands and do it that way. Well, Hagar, as you read the account in the Bible, appears to dislike Sarah, and Sarah won't have it. So she abuses Hagar, and fleeing Sarah's mistreatment, Hagar runs away, but she stumbles into the angel of the Lord, who promises Hagar that her son will also form a great nation. And he tells her that through her bloodline, she'll have many descendants, because God sees her when no one else does. And Hagar declares in Genesis 16, verse 13, Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also here seen him who sees me? Wow. Of course, in the Bible, we could pinpoint many examples of God seeing those in society who society chooses not to see. You know, Jesus healed lepers, blind men, the demon possessed. And he had a conversation with an outcast Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, the list goes on. But it seems throughout all of Scripture that God chooses to see the unseen. So how about today? Does God still continue to see that which appears to be unseen? Do we still have a God who sees us, especially when we feel most invisible. You know, it's Mother's Day, and yes, I'm talking to mums, but I'm talking to a congregation of people, and this applies to everyone, particularly for mums, though. Your, your work is often unseen. You know, we just glorified it in an over-dramatised um, clip <laughs> with uh, Supermum at work. But your work generally doesn't get seen like that on the screen in big lights. It's usually behind closed doors. It's usually where no one else sees, you know, we come home from maybe school or work and you've been perhaps at home, you know, doing a bunch of stuff, but we don't see it. We just walk in and go, well, where's my afternoon tea? Um, I've got children, I know what it's like, and I was a kid once too. That's exactly what you would do because it's all about your stomach. You need food. Uh, but that's what happens. Uh, and I know I'm speaking generally too. This day and age, a lot of mums are out working as well. And so you don't have the stay-at-home mum situation as much anymore. So not only do they go out and work a day job, then they come home and do the evening shift and get everything else done and sorted. But I want to encourage you today that when you feel at your most invisible or your most unappreciated, or perhaps you're just so wrapped up in the busyness of life and you're just tired, I want you to know that God sees you and that you are not invisible to Him. So today, in the time that I have left, I want to talk about three reasons to praise God as El Roy today. And 
It can be easily thought that God's forgotten us, but this will encourage you that he sees us and that he knows you by name and that he loves you and he's there for you. So let's dive in um, to these reasons today. The first uh, one that I have is that God's faithfulness in hindsight. Hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? To be able to look back on what was, uh, perhaps from a different angle, because you're not in it anymore and it's in the past and it just looks a little different. I mean, who writes down maybe your prayers or you've got journal entries or that sort of thing? Who does that sort of thing? A few of you, a few hands going up. Do you ever glance back at your journal entries and go, wow, how good is our God? You know, God moved in my life back then. You know, in the moment right now, we may feel as though God's abandoned us because we're in the midst of a crisis or a challenge or it's difficult. Uh, maybe we're in the midst of the biggest storm we've ever faced and it seems as though God has fallen asleep in the boat when the boat's about to capsize. This is recorded in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. I'm going to read it. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, big crowds, they took him along in the boat as he was and other little boats were also with him and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Uh, imagine the scene. It's not just a little lake and a little bit of a splash. They're in the midst of the eye of a crazy storm with water coming on board quicker than you can bucket it off and so they're in fear of their life. But he was in the stern, that's Jesus, asleep on a pillow. Not only was he just asleep, but he had a comfy pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Because in their minds, they're dying. We're not getting out of this storm. Jesus sleeping on a pillow. Then he arose and rebuked. It says the wind. I wonder if it was an initial rebuke. You woke me up, really? But anyway, he rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I just love that there's no in-between there. It's like it, it was instant. Peace, be still. And it just stops. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I'm sure when the disciples looked back on that moment, they looked back on it very differently to what they were like in the midst of it. In the midst of it, they think they're dying. They think that Jesus doesn't give a rip because he's sleeping on his pillow. They think that this is the end. But looking back, they go, wow, look at the faithfulness of God. I'm alive today because he said peace, peace still. You know, when we glance back over past events, and we see how God came through for us, perhaps not always in ways that we'd imagined. I'm sure in our mind we've got ways that we'd like God to move and what we'd like him to do, but then he comes and just does it his way. But we can know that God saw us in the past. And because he doesn't change, he will see us now and in the future. You know when it says something in the Bible, you pay attention to it, right? Because it's the word of God. But when it says it twice... There's like that law of second mention, like if it's in there twice, well, this is serious. This is absolutely true. Well, Malachi 3 verse 6 
says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you don't understand that God never changes, then we're the ones that change. You know, you, you might be in a season where you're like, God, I can't feel your presence. God, I don't know where you are. God, I, I'm in the midst of this storm, and what's going on? God doesn't change. If he's helped you before, he'll do it again. And if he's done it for someone you know, he'll do it for you. Because God doesn't discriminate. It's not about who's the nicest, who's the kindest, who dresses the right way, who says the right words, who's the better Christian. There's no such thing. But having faith in Jesus, he is available to you because he sees you and he understands you. When nobody else does, he is there. Here's the second thing that I think we should be praising God. El Roy. Jesus' example of seeing the marginalized or the outcasts. You know, the Bible states that God knows even the hairs on our head. So for some of us, that's easy. <laughs> I'm not going to point out anybody. They could be wearing beanies today. But the hairs on your head, you know, you can number them. Out of the billions of people in the world, he understands more about you than even we understand about ourselves. Matthew 10.30, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered, even when they decrease. It's easier to count. We, we may feel tempted to say, well, Scripture could talk the talk. It's got all the right things in it. But where's God actually showing an interest in humans? You don't have to look any further than the name of Jesus. Look at Jesus. Jesus had every opportunity. He was the Son of God, and he had every opportunity to live as a king to experience a comfortable life, to only hang out with like the high priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the well-to-do people. He could have done that. He could have hung out with the who's who in the zoo. But instead, he chooses to devote his time to what society perceived to be the lowest of the low. He advocated for tax collectors. He, he, he hung out with prostitutes and sinners. He went out of his way to be there for them because you know why? He saw them. While the religious Pharisees stuck their nose up and shunned them and wanted nothing to do with them, he saw them. And if we think we've strayed too far for the love of God to be able to impact our lives, we'll take a look again at Jesus' example. He saw everyone who'd been ushered to the sidelines and he healed them. He spoke with them. He dined with them. He loved them. Can we be a people that love on the perceived unloved, embrace them, invite them into your home for a meal. Let's not be people that hang out with people just like us because they say to us what we want to hear and vice versa and it's a comfortable place to be. But can we go out of our way and embrace the ones that Jesus loved? Jesus loved everyone. But he went out and hung out with the marginalised, the outcasts. He went out of his way. So we know that we can do the same when we have Jesus in us. No matter how far we've fallen, God loves you so much that you are valued. He sees you. And it's important that you understand that today. Psalm 46, verses 1 to 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, 
though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah, pause and think. Other versions put it this way, God is our refuge and strength. Always, I like that word, ready to help in times of trouble. So it's not when you're in God's good books or when you're doing the right thing or you've made good choices or it's been, you know, whatever. It's not about that. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help. Always. So you can go very far from him and take the reins of your life and go and do your own thing, but he's always ready to help when you turn to him, when you run to him. So don't think, oh, this, this is it, Lord. I've, I've made that mistake again, and now I, I don't have access to you because you, how could you possibly love someone like me? Please lose. That's the enemy. Lose that mindset. God sees you, and he is always ready to help in times of trouble. Here's the last one. God sees to your needs with daily blessings. That's why we should praise God, El Roy, the God who sees us. He sees to your needs with daily blessings. You know, we can often take small blessings for granted. We live comfortably in the Western world. Um, some of you have been to third world type places where people live in poverty. And you've seen it with your eyes, so you, so you know what it looks like. We're very comfortable here. Where we, yeah, we, yeah, we have homeless. Yeah, we have people in need. But there is support available on the whole for those kinds of people. You go to a third world place. I've been to the Philippines and I've been to garbage dumps and I've seen families living in cardboard boxes happier than the person that lives next door to us. The joy on their faces because they have a box. Wow. So we can take small blessings for granted in our Western culture, quite simply. The fact that we're breathing, the fact that our organs are functioning properly. Most of us had food to eat today. If not, you just got a chocolate. Uh, you've got water to drink. These are all blessings. We can see God's daily blessings if we truly choose to look. It really is about perspective, isn't it? We can, we can be all doom and gloom and, oh, I stubbed my toe today and everything's miserable. Or we can go, you know what, I've got breath in my lungs today. I'm able to enjoy another day in your presence, Lord, because you've granted me life. You know, if you're struggling with acknowledging your daily blessings, why don't you consider, and we touched on this earlier, but keep maybe a journal. Try to keep a record of blessings, even the small ones, that you see each and every day. Because then that gives you something to go to as a reminder when you feel like you're starting to navel gaze and and it's all about me. Woe is me. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen kind of voice in your head or however you're expressing it. You can go to that journal and go, oh, I'm sorry, God. You've been so good to me. Look at this and look at this and look at this and what you did here. God doesn't always have to move mountains, but he can provide shelter, food, family to love. He can keep track of all the ways. He can keep track of all the ways he sustained you. In your life. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, Rejoice when you feel like it. It doesn't say that, does it? Rejoice always. Always. Good times, not so good times. Rejoice. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus 
for you. Once you've kept that little journal just for a little while, even just a week, you can go back to your entries in your most desperate moments and be reminded of the goodness of God in your life. He's a good, good father, and here's the evidence in my life. You know, similar to Hagar, we can see in that journal, we can see the fingerprints of God all over our past. We know he has the future, our future, in his hands. And he'll never stop seeing us. It never stops. It's not like, oh, it's a good day today, so God's going to make a bit more of an effort to look at everybody. That's not how it works. He is El Roy, the God who sees you. Here's the good news. He'll never stop seeing us. The good news is God wants you to be happy. He wants you to pray to him. He wants you to always be thankful and filled with joy for all the things he does for you. He wants you to know today and every day that he is Elroy. He is the God that sees you. I want to finish with this uh, awesome video that someone shared with me. It's going to, I think, really bless you and encourage you today. Um, here it is.
was met with grief and heartache. She was a widow and she lived with her mother-in-law who was also a widow. And now it was time to move on. But Ruth had never been to Bethlehem. She had never tasted of the house of bread. But now she had heard an inner invitation to come and taste and see. And so she bowed herself to her mother-in-law and said, Where you go, I will go. Where you lie, I will lie. Where you die, I will die. And she begins a journey to the promised land. She's traveling through the desert. And she's leaving her despair. She's hoping for a future.
anointed one, Messiah Yeshua the Christ, born in the same house of bread to be the bread of life in the town of Bethlehem. And he would grow and he would be called the son of God. He would be called Emmanuel, God with us. And he would heal and he would reveal and then he had an encounter with a woman named Mary of Magdala, who was plagued by demons, tormented by evil spirits. And Jesus set her free. And Mary followed him. She listened at his feet. She served him. And she loved him. Oh, how she loved him. As they nailed him to the cross and as they placed his body in the tomb in that moment her hope died it died she's crying with God she's broken in
good is that? He's the God who sees you. It doesn't matter what you've been through, what you've done, what circumstance you find yourself in today, God sees you. And I just know that there are people here today that came just to hear that. You matter. You're noticed and you're loved by your Heavenly Father. So we will just bow our heads and close our eyes in God's presence. And I just want women, men, whoever's under the sound of my voice today that needed to hear this message today, that God sees you. God's just looking for a response today. So why don't you choose today to open up your heart to him and allow him to breathe on you again, to encourage you, to remind you that you matter, that you're important and that you're loved. So if you need to receive God's love today, I encourage you to open your hearts in just a moment because I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. We're not singling out anyone today because we all need Jesus in our life. So let's all stand in his presence. And if that's you in your own way, as I pray, maybe put your hands out in front of you, lift them up, just open up your hearts, however you want to do that today. But God's looking for a response. He wants to fill you today with his Holy Spirit. He wants to encourage you. He wants to bless you. He wants you to know that he sees you. He's the God who sees. So Heavenly Father, for every person under the sound of my voice in the room today, online at home, Lord, we just open up our lives afresh again and we say, God, we thank you that you are Elroy, the God who sees me. And so, Lord, I pray that for people in the room today, people at home watching, that are perhaps feeling invisible, unnoticed, alone, God, that you would pour out your spirit as the singer just sang a ring of fire around us. May your Holy Spirit pour out into each and every person, into our hearts and into our lives afresh today. We open up our hearts and we say, come, Lord Jesus, come, Holy Spirit, and touch this body of mine today. Fill my heart with your presence. Remind me of your goodness, of your grace, of your love poured out at the cross for me. Lord, I thank you that I am seen that I am valued, and Lord, that I am loved by you. So Lord, I pray for every person that they would receive an incredible portion of your Holy Spirit into their heart today. That reassurance that you are El Roy, the God who sees. May nobody be alone. May nobody feel unwanted. May nobody feel ignored or left behind, but may we all sense your presence. May we all have that knowledge that you see us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need to receive Jesus, maybe you're in the room and you've not been living life the way that you should, and you know that you need Jesus in your heart, the one we just prayed to to fill us all. If you're away from God right now, you're never too far away. We read it today. He's always ready to be helped in troubled times. 
So if you need to receive Jesus today, I want you to respond. Put your hand up and say, that's me. I need Jesus. I need more of him in my life. You might have done it before, but you might need to do it again. You might need to say, God, I surrender all to you. So if that's you in this moment, lift up your hand. God's going to respond and he's going to fill you in Jesus' name. Let's all pray together. Dear Jesus, we thank you that you died for us. Lord, I surrender to you. I believe that you rose from the dead so that I could be made free from all my sin, from all my bad choices. I now choose to turn away from that way of living and I choose to embrace you. I call you my Lord. I call you my Saviour. And I choose to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God praise and thank you for his goodness?